0: Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone. Don't need a king, get them off the fucking throne. If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go. The government knows it's don't get treated like a hoe.
1: Welcome everybody to another special episode of Liberty Lockdown. I have the legend. Once again, I am going through the entire lineup over here. We now have the producer, the woman behind the magic at TimCast IRL, Sour Patch Lydia herself. Welcome in.
2: Hello. How's it going? How's it going? I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Clint.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I had uh, Mr. Ian Crossland on last week and we went deep dive into space. So uh, he's a great guy. (laughs) Uh, What's your your niche, uh, you know? interest. I know Ian's is like space and all the woo woo stuff. What's what gets you going?
2: I love the philosophy. I really Ah. like the idea of getting into what's underneath everything else. Um, And the guy we had yesterday, we were talking about some of the policy stuff surrounding like criminal justice and policing. And Mm. I was like, you know what, I really think this always comes back to one of the main things I've been noticing that Scott Adams talks about is that um, Democrats don't understand human nature. And I'm really starting to agree with that view because it's like they're they're doing things that they expect will work, but they'll only work if you have like a completely different kind of human being. And right. I think this is the reason, I think that's the reason they think communism will work. I yes. was like, yeah, it'll, it'll work fine if you have a completely different kind of human. We have the wrong kind of people for that. Sorry, that's not how people work. But yeah, I don't think they understand. So yeah, my, my niche is kind of getting into what's underneath it all and really seeing what's behind the scenes.
1: I love it. Well, we actually have a an active civil war in libertarianism amongst the the principled libertarians that uh, are, you know, the Rothbard Mises camp. And then you have the people who are saying that we have uh, ignored culture and that basically similar arguments, to what what you were making is that essentially some libertarians do not pay attention to culture and do not think that you should have culture uh, dictated via the government. I, I lean towards not having the government dictate what culture should be. I think that it should be a ground up thing, not a top down thing. Uh, but there is this war uh, amongst libertarians now. And, and I don't know who's going to win out, honestly, but it's an interesting debate because I, I don't have I don't have a real answer to this. Like they, they make some good points. They say, basically, you have New Hampshire and you have Texas as kind of like the free state projects, so to speak. And and, you know, in uh, in New Hampshire, you have more personal liberties in Texas. You have less. And there's this new libertarian camp that's arguing it's actually better, even though it's not libertarian, it is better to have laws that keep leftists out of the state. So like having an abortion ban, even if you don't believe in it morally, they think it's beneficial to the cause of liberty. And I'm like, man, that's kind of dark. What do you think?
2: (laughs) I think that they I think they're onto something because I think that we've really passed. uh, We've really kind of crossed the Rubicon as far as leftism is concerned, because it's it's. Yeah, there are a couple different schools of thought here. There are people who say that you absolutely must actively push back. And I find myself sliding towards agreeing with them because we've tried a bunch of different things that just haven't worked. And most of those have been like being passive and just saying no. And I'm like, I talked about this with Benjamin Boyce a while ago. Um, one of the things that I am going to use the expression conservatives because they're attempting to conserve for the sake of conversation, liberty and freedom and personal sure. independence. Um, one of the things that conservatives have been trying to do is only conserve. And they're trying to do that by basically, what's the expression? I don't remember who came up with it. Standing at history, yelling, stop. You know, they're just saying, we're not going to do that. And we all know, like Michael Malice says, um, conservative conservatism is just liberalism driving the speed limit. Well, I can't talk today. This is not great. But yeah, <laughs> it really is. It's just a case of, we're just going to do it later. We're just going to say no right now. And Democrats are good at doing the big ask. And then we'll be like, oh, we won't do that. But we will do like this smaller thing. So it's like, we're really losing on a very real level And to the point that just saying no obviously isn't working and we need to come up with something different. So I'm kind of, I don't know. I feel like I have to agree that the, okay. Another thing to consider is that I'm from Colorado and I watched leftism come in. Mm -hmm. I watched Californians come in and take my conservative state, my nice little state from a solid red state to a salt to a purple state, to a solid blue state. Mm. There is no coming back from that. You don't get people to leave. And I think that the people who are talking about Texas that way are correct. I think the only way to do it is to keep it out. You need to keep those ideas out. And then you had the question of how much of your principles do you want to, are you going to be willing to compromise because you might have to do things that you don't fully agree with? And maybe that's just part of not being a super idealist and not being, I being an ideologue. Maybe that's okay. I don't know. Yeah. It's deep, but I, I I've seen both sides of that. So that kind of civil war because it is in conservatism as well. And it's like, I haven't reached a conclusion yet, but I think that there is some definitely some merit in just trying to keep it out, whatever you oh, have to do.
1: I, I couldn't agree more that, that there's merit to the argument like you'd be a fool to think otherwise like yeah. i i'm from california born and raised and i had to i am one of those people that fled and ruined your state no, i'm just kidding i you know I <laughs> <Right>. was,
2: <laughs> how dare you <laughs> i I, right.
1: I am i am a libertarian Dude. for a second generation so i'm not the type that you're actually concerned about but i totally get your point i i witnessed it i saw all my california neighbors that were fools you know move to denver and wherever else and and oh, vote yeah. the same nonsense <laughs> in so uh I just don't have an answer, though, like because i still I still have these principles like I don't want, um, you know, victim victimless drug users put behind bars. And they were they were essentially arguing last night that, you know, if you have to have criminal laws against drug use to keep leftism out, then so be it. And I was just like, man, that's that's a level of giving up my principles I can't wrap my head around.
2: That's that's see, it's going to be challenging. I think that no matter what happens, uh, Calvin and Hobbes, the guy who wrote Calvin and Hobbes, used to say that a good compromise makes everyone unhappy. And I'm mm-hmm. really inclined to agree. I think that it does. I think that a good compromise means that both sides are giving up something that they wanted. Sure. And then the journey becomes figuring out what exactly you are willing to give up because it's, it's going to be challenging. And I'm really I'm of the opinion that we're going into some super hard times. I don't see any way around that. I think it's a good thing. I think it's going to make us stronger. I have a very positive outlook on these hard times, but it's like they're coming and we don't get to we don't get to avoid them. You have kids, right?
1: I don't actually, and I no, was just going to say the re- yeah, the, yeah. Re- the reason I'm probably not married is because I I fail at compromise.
2: Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, you're a true libertarian. That makes yes. sense. That checks out. Okay, okay. But yeah, it's like um if you have kids, you need to think about the hard times that we're going to be facing. Like that's Mm going to, it should affect the way you raise your kids. It should affect your outlook on life. Like I officially no longer expect to do normal things that were considered normal. Um, like owning a home, being like a single income household, it's not going to happen anymore. I don't think. Um, and I am a firm believer in stoicism. And I do believe that the way the world works for you is based almost entirely on what you think of it. Uh, It's based on your perspective. So if you change your perspective and your understanding of the world to be, I'm not going to own a home, not in a way that you're, you're going to own nothing and be happy, but it's, it'll be okay. If I don't own a home, that's not the end of the world. Um, And if you, if you accept that things are going to be challenging, it's going to be easier to cope with. Um, And I know cope, whatever, there is a, there is a fine line between standing up for your principles and being completely unreasonable. You have to deal with reality. this is something Ben Shapiro was talking about. Ben Shapiro kind of makes me mad because he talks about facts over feelings. And I'm like, dude, nobody cares about your facts unless you care a little bit about their feelings. You have to do that. Sorry. That's something conservatives have been really, really bad at. And I suspect that libertarians are similarly bad at it because you're correct. Yeah, libertarianism strikes me as being a little bit like the um what do they call reddit the weaponized autism of the the internet but they're like very they're very logical very reasonable it's not autistic as such I don't mean to be insulting but it's like um they care (laughs) well they care much they care about facts which is it it's vital like that's something that you need to do to be able to you know keep a world running but it's like if you don't because then you get into the similar problem that Democrats have of not understanding human nature. We don't understand how people are feeling and how they're going to respond. Like Terry McAuliffe right now, currently not understanding how parents feel about their kids being exposed to CRT and boys and girls bathrooms. That's just something that they can't get a handle on. They cannot grasp it. And I think it's going to hurt them.
1: Yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, this, this has been the the divide uh, again in the libertarian camp. It's like, There are the people that understand that we're basically in a spiritual war and those that think that we are in a misinformation, uh, we just have to educate people. We have to prove to them that you don't need to be vaccinating children and all this other stuff. And it's like, like I I basically was in the autistic, we can explain away all of this and we can justify, we can give the facts to, to get people to stop with the push for lockdowns for the first six months of the pandemic. And then after right. that, after that, I realized this is a spiritual thing. Like people have been indoctrinated to the point of, you know, behaving in a cult-like fashion, and you're going to have to fight it with emotion and a bunch of other things that libertarians are terrible at. Um, and I, I th- honestly, I think that's the reason that my show has excelled is because while, you know, the Tom Woods of the world, were still arguing charts and graphs and showing masks don't work and this and that. I was just screaming, you know. I was just like, <laughs> I was just screaming.
2: Works. <laughs> yeah, I was just flipping
1: out because I, I was losing so much, and I was witnessing um, such a dangerous, uh, you know, path. And and there was, and we were just sprinting down it. And and the Libertarian Party, in particular, was basically not saying much. Um, you know, we had good good uh, pundits like Dave Smith and Tom Woods, but for the most part. It, it was, the LP was just failing miserably. And I hopped in there and I was like, no, fuck all this. This is insane. What are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, this, this is the energy we need. Um, so I wanted to ask you actually, what you get to hear some, obviously some of the most brilliant thinkers in the world every night. And, and I mean, you guys are some of them, but what is your, what is your worldview and how has it shifted after listening to all of these people day after day? I mean, has it, Has it blackpilled you? Has it uh, given you hope because there's intellectuals out there that are on our side? What do you think?
2: So, first of all, being exposed to my guests is definitely the best part of my job. Honestly, <clears throat> being able to meet some of these people is probably the coolest thing I've ever done or ever will do. Like, you can put this in my uh, whatever autobiography after I die because it's like the greatest thing I did. Um, it's incredibly, to me, very encouraging, but I have a tendency to be optimistic. So, when I see all these people, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm not alone. Because when I was 11, I think I told Chrissy Mar this, but when I was 11, Um, I really wanted to be a journalist and I was like, I can't do that because I'm a conservative and they're not, not to put Mm. too fine a point on it. In 2000, (laughs) I was already noticing that there weren't many conservatives in journalism Um, and I was correct, of course. Um, So I was like, all right, what else am I going to do? I got to figure something else out. Maybe I'll just, I don't know, whatever. Um, My mom wanted me to be a teacher and I was like, you know, what else is super, super liberal? Also teaching, probably not going to do that. I'm just saying I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. People are going to hate me. But it was like, um, even that far back, I was like, there is no one out there who really thinks like I do. And to be fair, of the studio, I'm definitely the most conservative. I think I'm the only person, I'm not sure how Luke feels about the pro-life issue. He doesn't really talk about it too much. Um, That's not really his focus, but I think I'm the only person there who's bonafide, like I'll die on this hill, pro-life, 100%. Like, I really appreciate that Dave Smith is on the same page with me on that one. Which only happened after he had a kid, and I was like, "Hmm, it's almost like if you have kids, you're more likely to be pro-life." But I digress. So uh, sure. a lot of these these uh, meeting all these these gradations of conservatism and libertarianism, and even like crazy, you know, people who are further left, like Vosh, who calls himself a socialist libertarian. <laughs> He unpacks it at great length and it never made sense to me. So I won't, I don't judge. It's It's because it's
1: oxymoronic. Don't worry. about it. it. A
2: little bit. Yeah. A little bit. I was like, how do I fit this in my mental space? It doesn't work. (laughs) But yeah, meeting all these cool people has been fascinating. And yes, it's a little bit like the lockdowns where all these people are leaving their jobs over the vaccine mandates. It's massive numbers of people and it means you're not alone. And that's what I said. We had an event the other night and I was like, yo, just so you know, the fact that there are 200 people in this room right now means that you're not alone and you Mm -hmm. should take that with you back into the world and tell other people. And I was like, we're not, we're not an echo chamber. We don't want to be an echo chamber, but we do want to know that we're not alone because as social human beings, Uh, we need to know that it's not just us because that's disheartening and it's hard to beat that. When the battle's in your own head, you're going to have a hard time really making a difference in any other kind of warfare. So
0: yeah, that's been the most,
2: yeah, it's the most important takeaway and I have been white pilled. It's been encouraging even as I'm watching the world like slide into massive chaos, but it's good to have all these people on our side.
1: Yeah. You ain't lying. I, I honestly think if I hadn't had the outlet of my show over the past 18 months, I don't. I don't know if I would have survived it mentally. You know, watching yes. all of the all of the insanity unfold, and then I have, you know, I've had a half a million, um, you know, downloads of my show already, and I and Woo. I, it's it's wild, you know, and, and all these exciting. Oh, it's it's great, and you know, three hundred plus five star reviews already, and it's like all these people just flooding me with support and love and appreciation for for me keeping them sane, and I'm like, look, you don't get it. This is teamwork. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) This is two way street for sure. Yeah, that's true too. I love our audience. I thoroughly appreciate them. Everything they do is really, I mean, besides when they tell me I need to like stop eating snacks or whatever. I'm like, yes, thank you. I'm aware, (laughs) but they're like really (laughs) on top of it. They're well read. They're well researched. Some of them are trolls. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I appreciate all of that because it's like, you know what, what we think is not crazy. And if you read enough of the news, like we do, you might be likely to think I'm completely alone. This is something I said the other day. I was like, they want us to believe we're completely alone. They want us to believe that that we're crazy, that we're seeing things. They want the parents in Virginia to think that they're absolutely nuts. I mean, they're losing that battle, which is fun because people are actually connecting in the real world. They're getting off the internet and they're going to the school board meeting. they're like, yo- what the fuck is going on here? Please stop this. Um, and if you don't, there are going to be consequences. So it's like, um, that's probably the the biggest thing we can do is just pry ourselves off our phones,
0: get yes. outside.
2: Even if you yeah. don't see other people go outside, get some vitamin D yeah, well, that that, COVID and like, <laughs> yeah,
1: that, that, or, you know, just the, the community effect of knowing that, you know, if you just watch corporate media you're going to conclude that you are a minority of one you know that, right. that basically exactly. no one no one sees the world the way you do and and this is why shows like mine and Timcast and and uh, a lot of the independent people out there um are viewed as like sanity keepers cuz exactly we are we are the counterbalance to the the incredible indoctrination and this is the problem with libertarianism is that there is so much uh lone wolf style behavior where they're like you know, people, there's preppers that are like, I'm just going to move to the woods by myself and, That's you know, cowardly. defend myself from the federal government. It's like, bro, I don't hey,
2: like you,
1: that. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you could you could try it. Uh, I personally, I, I I like the uh, the advent of modernity. I like the technology that we've come up with. And I'm not really like into interested- plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really interested in being a, a forest uh, <laughs> fighter. Uh, so, yeah, I, I hope that I hope that people are, are concluding you know that the indoctrination is is exactly that and that there are far more people that see through it and and there are increasing numbers of people that see through it i'm curious what your your read is of the populace here are we are we close to 50-50 sane is it you know where is it at
2: i think it's more than 50% um, i think that what we see on twitter and all of this stuff where we talk about you know there's a coming civil war i think that that is because of social media and i will say right now that um one of the silver linings of the pandemic is people starting to wake up to the fact that, first of all, being free is really important, which I think is a pivotal key. It's, it's a pivotal concept that conservatives and libertarians can both rally around. Absolutely yep. must. Um, you need to unite against authoritarianism, hands down, any, anywhere it comes from, right or left, um, and I think that's one of the things that the pandemic has kind of woken people up to, like, it's not just the schools. It's also, you know, Australia tackling people in the streets for not wearing masks like you're seeing authoritarianism in action. And the, the thing that kind of pisses me off is that we don't need to compare this to Germany. We don't need to compare this to anywhere else. It's happening right in front of you. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm glad we have parallels that we can hark hark back to because let's be real. That wasn't that long ago. Some of those people are still alive. I mean, vanishingly, vanishingly few, but some of those people are still alive and they will tell you that authoritarianism is a very real threat and it doesn't matter what side it comes from
1: what's up guys on this show we value personal liberty self-reliance and taking action there's a lot going on right now that we can't control but we can control the actions we take in our daily lives our new liberty loving sponsor lever gear creates premium quality tools and accessories that are easy to carry and multifunctional so you can get more done in your daily life when you're on the go you don't always have time to run and get your tools you know when you're Covering up a murder, for instance, Levergear's Toolcard Pro is a credit card-sized multi-tool that slips into your wallet, or you can use it as a money clip. The Toolcard has 40 tools, including wrenches, screwdrivers, metric and inch rulers, pry bar, cord cutter, can opener, and of course, a bottle opener, because you're an alcoholic, but don't tell your mom. The Toolcard Pro weighs just one ounce and it's TSA compliant, so you can take it anywhere. It's made in America from heat-treated stainless steel, so it's super strong and corrosion resistant. You'll be confident knowing you have the best card tool on the market. This thing is awesome. It's the perfect gift for gear junkies, even if it's for yourself. You really have to check this thing out. Get your tool card and be prepared to get more done at Levergear.com. Again, it's Levergear.com. Use code LIBERTY at checkout to get 20% off your first order for new customers. Use that code Liberty. Go to Levergear.com.
2: So looking at that, people are starting to notice this. And yeah, I do think that's a silver lining of, of the pandemic. And I don't see that going away after the pandemic is over. I think um, the Democrats overplayed their hand massively. I think they're going to, I think hope and pray they're going to lose big time to Republicans and hopefully some form of third party like libertarians can start to get in now too, because yeah. people are upset by this, and I'm hoping that they're looking hard enough for other alternatives to be like, yeah, I'll try that third party guy. It sounds interesting, but that's think, a, that's a tough sell. I don't know. We'll see about that.
1: Yeah, no, that is that is a tough sell. And and just so you know, from the libertarian perspective, many of us are pragmatists, and and we are fine if we have liberty-oriented people in the RNC. I mean, obviously, most of us came from the Ron Paul movement, which was a RNC candidate. Uh, so we're not, we're not like so principled that we have to have the the L in front of the politician's name to support him. Thomas Massey is a godsend. He's, he's an amazing uh, congressman. (laughs) And then Rand Paul is obviously pretty damn good too. So we have, you know, I am, I am personally totally fine. Like I would love to see Dave Smith run in the RNC if we could get him to do it. I don't think he will. And I don't blame him. Uh, But uh, are you, are you considering, uh, I know you're, conservative leaning would you consider voting for dave
2: if he were to run oh of course yeah and tim's already said that he would as well um because at this point so i didn't vote for trump in 2016 because i had no idea what i was getting into and then i did vote for him in 2020 and at this point it seems like unfortunately it doesn't matter who i vote for they're not going to win um i'm a little bit of a hipster apparently when it comes to voters
1: <laughs> you but- and me both
2: yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that Tim's uh Tim, Dave's able to get a leg a leg up there and he's able to get a foot in the door and you know um make a difference to people because he's charismatic enough and he's different enough from what most people think of as libertarian that I think he could really revolutionize the face of libertarianism for a lot of people. And I think and hope he has been able to do that especially coming on our show and talking about some of this, this stuff that um, nobody I think has really heard libertarians talk about. Right. Um, he's been doing great. I've been excited to see what the Mises caucus is doing. They're fantastic. Like I've been more on board with the Mises caucus than I've ever been with a libertarian organization because I'm like, we agree on like the NAP for unborn children, which to me seems pretty incontrovertible, but um Uh, there's a lot of things that the Republicans do that I'm just like, you're acting like Democrats just from the other direction. And I don't really like that.
1: Yes. Well, uh, that's, that's kind of your, your earlier point about how conservatives are just conserving the winds of progressivism, it seems at this point. And, and libertarians, I think if given the opportunity would actually claw back some of the liberty that conservatives have relinquished. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, I I also love the fact that you use that he could revolutionize the, the face yes. of libertarianism, because yeah. the, the the moment that all of us came from, uh, speaking for myself, are the Ron Paul revolution. Uh, yes. so yeah, I remember. So yeah. I, I think I think that the the second revolution is is Dave Smith uh, riding in on a white horse, and and I God, I hope he has some success. I, I I have already told him I will contribute all of my time, and I will be in his in his campaign if he needs my help. So there's a lot of support behind him.
2: Yes. And Dave is so nice and charismatic that people actively like want to help him. So I think that's really going to help him moving forward for sure. As far as I know, he doesn't actually have any actual good faith enemies. I can't. I can't think of anyone who's just like, ah, he's a terrible person. Nobody thinks that about Dave. You might disagree with his ideas, fine, but you're not going to think he's a bad person. So, as far as I'm concerned, he's like the ideal candidate. So, hopefully, he's able to run and do something with that. And yeah, I totally vote for him for sure.
1: Yeah, you're, for you're sure. Key, your key term there: good faith enemies. He's got plenty of enemies, but none of them. Oh are yeah, none faith. of
2: them are good faith. <laughs> yeah, and Twitter will give you a ton of bad faith enemies. Like, and I'm just like, you're not. Speaking the truth. That's one of the first. So when I tell when people are getting on the Internet, one of the first things I tell them is that you need to know the truth about yourself because you're going to get into it with people who are going to tell you lies about you. They're going to tell you you're a racist. They're going to tell you you're not a good person. And you just need to be able to say you're full of shit you're not telling the truth. I know <laughs> the know truth me. about myself. Exactly. exactly. And it's like, yeah, no, I know I'm not a racist. I I right. literally know this like 100% certainty. I am myself. I will tell you this right now. Not true. So, you know, go get bent.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, same, same boat here. That's, that's the other hard thing about having a Twitter account that's kind of exploded over the past year is I, yeah. <laughs> I, all, all of these haters that I really didn't expect. Cause I, a year ago, everyone in the libertarian community liked me or loved me even. And then all of a sudden, you know, now people are coming out, questioning my credentials, saying that I, you know, I, I never ran a mortgage company. I'm a trust fund baby, all sorts of crazy oh, wow. shit. And I'm like, I'm like, where where does this lore come from? <laughs> <But> pe- people, <laughs> I never people, knew. <laughs> yeah, people really like to uh, like to just if you're excelling. Even in the libertarian space, they like to drag you down. They like to be like, "Oh no, no, no. there's there's something about this guy that's not true." It's yeah. like, dude, if I wanted to be a grifter, I would definitely be in the. I'm uh, on the
2: wrong side. <laughs> I know.
1: I'd be in the RNC, brother. Come on. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So speaking of grifters, I I uh, I've been watching the the Facebook whistleblower and Dr. Leanna Wen. Are you familiar yes. with Dr. Leanna Wen? Oh my god. Dr. Are these-
2: Leanna Wen. So she's actually from Planned Parenthood. She worked for them. That's where I know her from. Yeah. And uh, to her to, to her credit, she actually left Planned Parenthood because she, unlike most of the leftists over there, does not believe that abortion should be a form of birth control. So hmm. good on her for that. But yeah. now she's turned into basically, you know, the mouthpiece of the CCP because she's, you know, saying insane things. What did she say most recently? I don't even remember what she said most lately.
1: Oh, man. I mean, she's talked about having border checkpoints and vaccine passports for air travel. I mean, this this she's Dr. Mengele, as far as I'm concerned.
2: Yeah, Um, I think that James uh, Lindsay calls her Minnie Mouse M.A.O.S. Because she's like (laughs) literally like, yeah, like actually a Chinese spokesperson because she's making all these points that know did china say this or is this actually you so did,
1: did you see the a, clip of her being interviewed after the the boston bombing too i mean this lady has no, been no
2: from a while ago no oh, I didn't. yes
1: after the boston bombing she was she was the doctor that was interviewed by cnn um right right after the bombing when she and she was allegedly the person treating the gunshot victims or the bombing victims rather in uh in the hospital there i mean this what? lady as far as i'm concerned that was her audition tape to be an asset for the cia that's that's yeah wow no
2: kidding holy cow was she actually there was she making that all up i mean well a lot of
1: people say a lot of people say that it was green screen i don't think so um i think she was actually there and i think she was probably a doctor there but it was just incredible like the the polished uh, delivery you got I'll I'll send you the the video the, yeah the polished, for sure the, the polished delivery with which she she talks about all, she's like we've never had so many uh, gunshot victims or, or so many uh, you know violent victims uh, of of terrorism in, in one time and this is it's I mean but it's the exact same delivery she has that really polished like weird delivery about how she talks about things anyways uh, total asset and then you have the new asset which is uh, speaking of actual whistleblowers. Assange is uh you know having his extradition uh tr- or hearing today. Between the two, it's like do you can you identify a whistleblower, the guy who's being persecuted by the government or the lady who's being put in front of Congress to argue in favor of more censorship? Which yeah, one do Francis, you think is an yeah. actual whistleblower? Good exactly.
2: lord. Exactly. I know, and that's one of that was the first thing I thought when she came out. I was like, wow. Okay. First of all, I'm used to getting my whistleblowers from Project Veritas. Thank you very much. And I was like, okay, so those whistleblowers are not well-received. People do not like them. They do not get an overnight blue check on Twitter. They don't go in front of Congress. They aren't given like this massive platform. This is not a real whistleblower. I'm sorry. And the fact that she just conveniently happens to be arguing for more censorship. Hmm weird. I don't believe
1: her. Red flag alert. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Seriously. Like who could take that seriously? Because if you come out and you're like, all right, I think they're doing this wrong stuff. Cool. Uh, fine. Uh, but if you then say, here's what we have to do to fix it. And it involves a hell of a lot more censorship. I'm going to be like, I don't think that that's the right thing. I don't think that's your place. If you want to blow a whistle. Awesome. Um, but that should be the extent. I think that should be more or less the extent of your input. Oh yeah, Um, it's great if you want to recommend something but if you're gonna like push 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 facebook to be more censorious i don't think that's the role that you should be playing as an actual whistleblower but as i said i don't think she actually is i don't know what she is but it ain't that ain't it
1: if she was an actual whistleblower she would be hiding from the government not sitting in front of congress delivering testimony i'm sorry we don't we don't treat whistleblowers how we once did um, this is too corrupt of a system. And I think that this is hard evidence that she works for the opposition. And I am highly skeptical. Speaking of uh, FBI ops, I, I am also very concerned about what they are doing in terms of pursuing parents for defending their children. You mentioned it already, uh, not just with critical race theory, but also with mask mandates, vaccine mandates, things like that. Um, I, I, I don't know if i say I broke the news, but I did an episode a couple months ago uh, where I had discovered that Joe Biden had on his first day in, in office had had a memorandum that was basically all about uh, domestic extremism. And of in course, that, yeah. in that he lists libertarianism and, and uh, conservatism, people that doubt the election results, you know, all these yep. red, white, and blue, you know, good old boy Americans. And he's like, y'all are terrorist threats, you're extremists. And I think that this is the rollout of that. Is that kind of the, connection you've made there
2: oh 100 i think the problem there has been that they know that they're full of shit um they've been like oh gosh okay we need extremists where can we get them who can we turn into extremists who can we make you know it's kind of like a tail pin the tail on the donkey they're like how can we get this to work how how can we stab this into the right spot so that it looks like we actually have some extremism that we're fighting because they will not under any circumstances, they will not go after people like Antifa. Mm-hmm. They will not go after people like the violent members of Black Lives Matter. Um, and I don't know what it would take. What do you think it would take for them to go after those groups?
1: I think them, them coming together like they are in New York right now, with the MAGA movement to protest vaccine Against, mandates.
2: I think you're right. That's yeah. probably it. Yeah, that, that could make them extremists. I guess that would make them extremists, wouldn't <laughs> they? Because they've already covered that. They're like anyone who doesn't like the idea of mass mandates and vaccine mandates, all they're extremists. We need to watch them closely. The whole we need to watch them closely is really telling to me because um, that's obviously they're in. That's how they're going to surveil you. Uh, that's how they're going to get their hooks into your bank account, which I don't even know which version of the dystopia we're living in at that point. The whole bank account thing, yes. uh, the SMS thing was scary enough to me already. Cause I'm like, if you can't text someone, something that you're thinking, how do you communicate? What are you right. supposed to do? Like you're supposed to send letters. We cannot, we can't, we can't go back to that. We, we really can't. There's no way to do that. Um, I feel like we're accelerating into this form of dystopia and there's not really a good way to hit the brakes. And um, because we elected Biden, uh, Tim talks a lot about civil war, but we also talk about how it's not going to look like it did. And this gets back to me saying that you don't need to draw parallels. You just need to look at where you are now and be like, okay, this is happening. This is what it looks like. Um, Scott Adams is talking about how he believes that some of this supply chain interruption looks like a targeted attack possible maybe he was just spitballing just thinking like he does on his streams Um, looks like a targeted attack from China, Um, and he broke it all down he's like well the fact that. people are afraid of the uh, pandemic and the fact that they're getting more money from the government um, truck drivers are quitting vaccinations are making people not want to work. And now we have all these ships backed up. He's like, it looks like these are all the steps that you would take to enact some form of an attack on the American people uh, without them knowing. And I'm like, that sounds exactly like something that China would do. Because uh, as Tim talks about, it's not going to look like we're going to think it will. And that has been one thing that I've found to be true throughout my entire adult life on a very personal level is that things are never going to turn out like you think they will. Just Indeed. whatever you think is going to happen, just throw it out. Don't, don't even bother expecting anything, honestly. Just be prepared for whatever comes. Take it as it comes. Um, but Scott was like, we can't explain why this is happening. It's a bunch of different things at once. To me, that does look like an attack. So to get back to my point, I do think that this comes to a form of a civil war. The fact that the U.S. federal government is turning against its own people, um, the fact that people are choosing to not work and they're trying to use this time to leverage their um, employment status to get higher wages in a time when they're printing more money. There are so many different aspects here that are like we are already in some form of. We're embroiled in some form of, I don't know.
1: Psyop civil war.
2: Yeah. And I don't see a psyop would, so a psyop would uh, imply some form of organization, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So you think this it's, doesn't it's look not...
2: organized to mm-hmm. me um, unless it's coming from multiple different angles, which it could be. It could be coming from the far left, which I think it is in part. It could be coming from an overblown federal government, which is obviously coming from there. And it could be coming from, uh, different country, like China. Um, all of these things could be true at the same time. I feel like, I don't know, it's hard to look at the big picture and be like, oh my gosh, it's even hard to link one thing to another thing. So I feel like we ha- we really have to break it down and scrutinize it finally. And, and too much is just cloaked in secrecy. Like the whole COVID thing, the whole thing. If from the beginning, they have been like, you know what, we don't really know about this. Just bear with us while we figure this out maybe we need masks maybe we don't wear them if they make you feel safer wash your hands make sure not to cough on people but they didn't they gave us absolutes and they told us that they knew best and Anthony Fauci um, told us repeatedly you know he's science he's truth people are afraid of him because he tells them the truth and it's like (laughs) nah dude you're just a power hungry person just like the rest of them like calm down um but they but again that gets back to them not understanding americans and not understanding sociology and the psychology and being like americans you will do this and they're like no we fucking won't are you insane (laughs) have you met americans well have
1: you met half of americans yeah i mean i i think i think you guys are right that that we will have um you know a civil war but in there are new methodologies that it's going to be utilized like I think that cancel culture is part of it. Instead of having gulags, you now have technological gulags. You have people that are essentially absorbed from or, or removed from uh, the normal sphere of online communication, and they are put into their own little uh, corner of the internet, or they have their own websites like Alex Jones and things like that. So they are, And then they're also unbanking people. They are basically finding ways to remove people from society without putting them in prison, so you don't have to go through the court system. Uh, this is this has been kind of the, my siren call over the past 18 months is like we aren't dealing with, uh, you know, a very clear enemy. What we have is a fascistic alliance between big business and a corrupt totalitarian leaning government that are working in unison to remove political dissidents from the uh, the conversation. and And I think that's that's kind of the first phase of this. But to your point about the uh, the banking monitoring, that is that is like everything right now. If, if they have the capacity to monitor all, all transactions of over $600, I mean, that is a lot of transactions. If you live in America, that's almost every transaction is over $600 nowadays, unless you're just buying food. So uh, right. that, and then they have also uh, Yellen coming out saying she wants to put a tax on unrealized capital gains. That is a war on the the lower and the middle class in this country that I don't think we will ever recover from. Um, I, I'm sure you guys have covered this already but uh, do you think that they actually intend to do this I mean it, it seems to me like such a like you already said the left has taken it too far I'm not sure that they feel that way like I feel like they don't go- yeah they're gonna take this they're <laughs> gonna take this to the point of conflict and I'm not sure we can stop them without conflict and I just don't know
2: yeah I think you're right unfortunately I am afraid that this, Pushing like this in the digital space um, in unconstitutional ways without any form of actual laws, Um, Joe Biden putting this mandate into effect with completely unconstitutionally. Um, The fact that they're doing this tells me that they don't ever intend to let go of power again. To the point that I don't even think Republicans can stop them, which tells me, because for Republicans to stop them, they'd have to be working within the the confines of the constitutional system, which I don't think they are anymore. I think they've completely discarded of that. Um, It tells me that we're going to take this to the real world, and I'm not sure what that looks like. Obviously, it's not going to be lining up and doing anything violent. I would never say anything like that's going to happen. But I don't see it resolving peacefully. Um, And I don't see normal people putting up with this. Mm -hmm. You tell people that we're going to keep an eye on each $600 transaction, just in case. And then you tell us that that's because you want to keep track of billionaires. Dude, no. How? (laughs) How is that? That doesn't even make sense to me. In what world does a billionaire operate in $600 increments? Not certainly not this universe. Give me a break. (laughs) Yeah, and I I don't remember. I think I tried to listen to their explanation of why six hundred dollars joking right now. That's absolute insanity. But as I said, I don't think they're gonna go through the constitutional system anymore. I think they've done with
1: Uh, it. I think I think that's that's what the the real COVID PSYOP was is that they they came up with these um, emergency measures and they said, Well, now governors can do anything, the president can do anything. Like and and oh and guess what? This emergency is never ending. So I mean, if that's the case. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 If if that's the (laughs) case. That's terrible. I guess
2: we'll just have to stay in power forever. Yeah. And you could have seen this coming like from miles away, from miles away. I saw it coming and I was like, oh, well, I hope they don't do anything crazy. (laughs) Ha ha. They're going to. I knew they would. Like, I knew this would never stop. But it was like, I didn't expect it to get quite this insane quite this fast, you know? No,
1: no. I mean, that's. Oh, the internet connection's unstable, but we're hanging in there, I think. Yeah, you're
2: good. You're good. Yeah.
1: Um, um, yeah. yeah the, I the, think, um,
2: that has been the thing,
1: that, is the, been the thing that, that probably amazed me more than anything is like, it was basically like Alex Jones looked like a crazy person because he was talking about all of these plans for like decade after decade. And he was like, this is what they're going to do. This is what, and then they would, it would take six or seven years for him to be right. And now like everything he was wrong about, he got to be right about in like an 18 month period. Yay. So now he looks like a complete prophet. <laughs> I know.
2: That's true. I think you're right. And I think that's just a sign that it has really accelerated, which concerns me immensely. Um, I So when my husband used to give me shit, because I was like, oh my gosh, this is happening. This is happening. Um, he's like, you're an accelerationist. I was like, really? Because I don't think that I could possibly say that this is happening any faster than it actually is. And now he's like, oh my gosh, this is insane. Like, yes, I know. I've been watching this this whole time. You've had your head down. You've been studying. I get it. But it's like, this is what I was talking about, dude. Like all of this nonsense. He's like, did you see Joe Biden did that thing? That's completely unconstitutional. I can't believe that. And I was like, yes, yes. Welcome (laughs) to my life. You know, It, it takes some people longer than others. I completely understand, but it's like yeah, this is why I was distressed. And at the time, I'm pretty sure he just thought I was some female form of Alex Jones. He's like, I still love you, but you're Alex Jones at this point. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just watching everything happening. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So it was, it was, that was like a very much a red pill for him, which was really funny. And I was like, yeah. I'm sorry. I've been right about everything horrible. I would just like to be right about something good for a change. I know. know, Do you ever get that feeling? Oh yeah. I I just want to be right about like gas prices going down. Let's see that happen. Let's go. Yes, I believe it. I'm willing it into existence.
1: (laughs) Well, my my friend and yours. I think you know her as well, uh, Josie, the redheaded libertarian. Oh
2: yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. She she has this thesis that essentially Trump wasn't supposed to win and. All of their plans that were supposed to have been Implemented over a five and a half year period Were trunk you know it was oh, truncated, yeah. Squeezed into an 18 Month period once Biden got in power I think that thesis makes sense I mean it, Yeah because it feels like Five years of history have happened in A year you know what I mean
2: yeah, both. I was, every time we come up on a, a new month, I tell Tim, I'm like, holy crap, is it, you know, I think last time I told him this, I was, it was like May, I was like, is it May already? And here it is, like, almost November. And I'm like, what is happening? It's so fast. And it's so slow at the same time. Like, I don't even know what to make of this whole, it's like, time warping I just at this point I just think we're in like a parallel universe where time doesn't make sense and they're testing every horrible authoritarian thing they can on us and we're just like oh okay well I want to be safe so that's fine we'll just go along with it but yeah I, I, the alternate universe thing makes the most sense to me because everything sucks and it's horrible and there's also too much coincidence like Alex Jones being right too much but I think you're right about the the condensation of everything to such a short time but then my question becomes what are they racing toward? Why, why do they feel some kind of of, of, of timeline here?
1: Why, why is it so urgent? Yeah. Uh, my, my personal thesis is that they understand the the debt collapse uh, problem, as well as libertarians do, and that they know that if they don't get in front of that collapse, and they have their, their game plan ready to roll, uh, essentially, it'll catch them off guard. So that that's my thesis as to why they're they're bringing it about. This is why the great reset language exists is that they want to be the ones that press the reset button. They don't want it to happen organically because if it happens organically, it'll be out of their control. Um, so that's my thesis at least.
2: I think you're right. And based on what Jen Psaki was talking about the other day when she was like, the economy is really bad. So we need to like step in and make enormous changes right now. And I was like, wait, what? Shouldn't you be doing that when the economy is good, when people have more freedom to like spend their money in the ways that you can encourage them to do?
0: Hey, Liberty Lockdown listeners. This is Isaac Morehouse, the CEO of Crash.co. You love freedom. I love freedom. You want more career opportunity. I want to help you get it. I want to help you live more free by seizing opportunities, whether you're actively job hunting or you're just looking to expand your future potential. Go to Crash.co, sign up for free, completely free. You get the daily job hunt, which has over 50,000 subscribers now in your inbox every morning, plus a bunch of free member perks and benefits. Check it out. Crash.co. Thanks for listening.
2: They don't want to encourage people to do shit. They want to force people to do everything they want them to do because they, for whatever reason, even without a complete, even with a complete misunderstanding of human nature, they think they have what it takes to make a utopia. They are insane. And these are the people in charge. And I'm just like. This is not the way to utopia. The way to utopia is to let people to do, let people do whatever they want, to leave them alone, to let them flourish, to do very much what Trump was doing. I was watching everything Trump was doing, and I was like, this is the best economy we've had in so long. And I was so vindicated. I was like, these are the policies I've really wanted. Admittedly, his spending was way more than I wanted. But I was like, these are the things I wanted. Let up on small businesses. Encourage people to come back to the U.S., you know, cut taxes, make it so that we have better access to gasoline. And mm-hmm. and, and I was like, look, these companies are even giving their employees four day work weeks. This is something leftists wanted and companies are able to do it because business is booming because we've cut these regulations. So I got to see that, which was, In retrospect, terrible, because now the exact opposite is coming to fruition. Everything that I was like, this is a really bad idea, now is happening. And I'm just like, oh, look at that. It was a bad idea. I was correct about that, too. I would just... Ah, uh, it's it's depressing. I'm like, ah, uh, I don't. I would just like things to be normal, but they're not. So I'll,
1: I'll agree with you that that Trump cutting the regulatory state was tremendous. I wish he had done more of it. Obviously, tremendous. I wish he had all right. of his good things. Had he done more of cutting more taxes, yeah. would have been great. But to me, where Trump lost me and and he lost my vote because I would have voted for the guy otherwise, uh, just because I knew Biden was going to be such a disaster. He lost me when he endorsed and and propped up Fauci for the entire summer of 2020 and he allowed him to push the lockdowns and the fear mongering. Did he not lose you in that period?
2: I didn't have such a firm opinion of Fauci at the time. Mm. Um, I was like, well, he's been in government for a really long time, which is already a huge red flag for me because I really don't like the idea of people being, So I'm a millennial. So I don't think that anyone should be at a job for that long because I wasn't, you know, boomers used to work 50 years at one job. No, 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 no. Millennials go like two years at each job, three years, five years. And then they're like, it's time to do something different and find a different path. Um, I, I saw him being such a, he didn't do anything actively that bad. At first I was like, okay, nobody knows what's going on with this pandemic. And when Trump was downplaying it and leftists gave him so much shit over it, I was like, okay, he's really trying to contain this and he's trying to reassure people and tell them that it's not a big deal because Trump wants the economy to do well. He needs the economy to do well. That was one of his biggest things that he was running on was look how great the economy is. And then of Mm -hmm. course, they locked down and everything crashed and it was just a mess from there. And I think that's probably a big reason he lost to Biden. who oh, has yes. Done nothing but make it 50 times worse. But anyway, um, the Fauci thing, not his big, no, I did end up voting for him because I was like, man, if we get Biden, all of this is going to happen. Sure. Enough. Oh, yeah.
1: oh, there's, there's <laughs> I was like, no I, ar- I have to do. There's no, there's no argument that Biden was the far worse option. I was just saying that in terms of my actual outspoken support, Trump lost me when yeah. he uh, like because he was still doing those. Like if people remember, he was doing press conferences basically every day uh, because that was when the media was still kind of giving him a little bit of coverage because he was going along with their plans of lockdowns. I, that was where I was just like, this is unforgivable. You cannot yeah. allow the government to lock down. And, and I know it was largely from the governor's level, but Trump could have come out. He should have known as a business person, he should have known you cannot lock down the economy without having catastrophic results. And and I know I know he knew that. So the fact that he was unwilling to go- get up on his pedestal and say this is crazy. We can't do this. Like no matter how dangerous this virus is, we have to let people take precautions for their own, you know, for their own circumstances and we have to keep business moving because if business stops and goods stop, we aren't marxists. We understand that production matters. That we need goods right. to stay alive. Um, and when he didn't do that, I was like, all right, dude, well, you're not you're not my people anymore. But I, I understand your point that he was he was probably trying to put a, a, a happy face on this. And and he knew the election was around the corner. So he was in a tough spot. But man, he could. have. I think he would have won. I think had he come out early on and said, this is crazy, we can't do this. Even if he hadn't won, he would have been a hero to me and he would have looked like a prophet and he would have been a lock to take the election in 24 had he done so.
2: I think you might be right. I think in in some ways that is a little bit of your libertarianism speaking, but then we get that interesting of conundrum of him not being the dictator the left needed him to be. Truth. So interesting to me. When all that shit was going down in Portland, he would not send in the National Guard. Like, what is going on? Why don't you just send in the National Guard? Why don't you put an end to this? But he's like, I'm leaving it to the states. It's more important that the states take care of this. And it's like, Technically correct, but I would like you to stop this nonsense because that's a lot of you know, Minneapolis is going up in flames. But I was like, okay, fine, 10th Amendment, you're right, technically correct. <laughs> and, I, and I'm a huge proponent of the 10th Amendment, but I'm like, yo, they were just letting that city burn to prove a point at that point. And I was like, oh, that's not good. Yeah, um, true. But yeah, the left needed him to be a dictator and he wasn't. And then we on the right were like, yo, you need to like stand up and be stronger. Cause you're right. He knew that this would destroy businesses and destroy the economy. And yeah, I think that you might be right because if he had stood up against a lockdown, the economy would have been better and he might have been reelected.
1: I, I that's my personal belief. Like I, yeah. he lost my support. So maybe I'm just extrapolating from there and saying, well, there's probably a couple more million people out there when you have an election that, that, that is that close. That's probably enough to decide it, but I don't know. I mean, there was, such tremendous fear-mongering and propaganda that people were all suffering under at that time. I mean, we, many, probably half the country, still suffers under it, completely horrified and thinking that they're going to die at any moment over this thing that they're almost certainly safe from. Um, so it's, you know, it's all hindsight 2020 type stuff. But I, I'm sure you could answer, uh, ask this question all the time, but I, I would re- be remiss if I didn't ask it. What is what is the best guest you guys have ever had? You've had such legends on. I'm, I'm curious if you have a favorite.
2: Oh gosh. Okay. So my favorite guests tend to be people who come in and convey their personal experiences, mm. which is probably not what people really expect. Because I love the people who are super highly educated and have this really interesting, nuanced take. Because we are, even though we talk about the news all the time, we are very much lay people. We're not specialists. We're not lawyers. We're not doctors. Um, so I really enjoy. Um, let's see. I loved my favorite overall. I think was Ed Calderon, because oh, wow. yes he has a way of storytelling that is so incredibly um, spellbinding. Like the whole part, we kept forgetting to switch the cameras almost because I was like, just listening to what he was saying. And I was like, Oh, someone else is talking. I need to put the camera on them. Um, But I was like, um, his stories were compelling was fascinating he wove them together in a non-political way which was really refreshing for us because we're like well we don't we don't care about the politics we want to know what's actually happening there and what people are thinking there and then he has these personal stories or he's like talking about when he was first uh, a policeman in um, Tijuana I think and he's like talking about how they would hang people over the edge of the bridge and then the police would have to go and cut them down and I was like Whoa, that's scary. And then he's talking about, you know, this how they how they esteem this the this. It's like this figurehead of death, which is so interesting. And then you see it everywhere in Mexico. And now every time I see that, I'm like, whoa, that's everywhere. Like everyone agrees that death is really important, something to be revered. Weird. And I was like, and I asked him on the show, I was like, do you think that uh, the police and soldiers Um, revering death is a form of them coming to terms with the fact that maybe they've had to take human life that they haven't come to terms with and he's like maybe so and I was like that's so interesting to me because it's like if you are on death's side and you're helping dispense justice then you need to be on good terms with this concept of death and I was like that's amazing like that combines philosophy and religion and politics and all this other stuff I was like that's like Peak conversation is like this this really engaging blend of a bunch of different things. It's not partisan, it's just really engaging and interesting. But I think he was probably my favorite. Um, Alex Jones, always super interesting and right about way too many things. An uncomfortable <laughs> number of that. things. Yeah. <laughs> He's right about things. too much.
0: Stop being right, Alex. Uh, s-
2: seriously, stop. Or predict some good things. I told him that too. I'm like, please predict something good. If you're gonna be right about all of these predictions, just at least choose something like upbeat. Honestly, it doesn't work that way, I know, but it's like, please. <laughs> but, yeah. Well,
1: I mean, I think it could work that way. The The problem is, is that we are basing our predictions and I'm, I'm guilty of this myself. I, I'm basing my predictions off of the trajectory of what the government's doing. And guess what? The government doesn't do anything good. So all of my predictions yep. also
2: are not good. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, yeah, sadly, sadly Well, you can predict that the whole thing Their whole little house of cars will fall apart And normal people will take over again We'll build build it up from the ground I, And I, I actually, think that that's uh, likely, right? Yeah,
1: I, I was going to say I, I, That is actually part of my prediction The unfortunate part is the collapse of the government the and, part not and the great. economy, <laughs> not super fun. Um, so it comes across as very pessimistic, but uh, you know, you have to kind of eat your vegetables. You're gonna have to go through a tough period to get to that uh, that brighter tomorrow. Um, speaking of brighter tomorrows, my, my guys would be furious if I didn't ask, are you going to have <laughs> on the legends known as Tower Gang?
2: Oh, that's right. So I do wanna try to get Tower Gang on. How many of you are there? There's six, right?
1: There I'm are five. Fresh. There are actually only five of us. One of okay, us okay. resigned. So, uh, but we okay. can, if it, we can truncate it if we have to. So.
2: Oh my gosh. Okay. So we are in the new studio now, but we have Tim, Luke and Ian. And then of course me, I sure. am pretty indispensable as far as pushing buttons. Totally um, indispensable. The most so, important member. <laughs> that's right. The most secret member. Um, we basically only have two seats. So okay. I guess we could, if we want to give Ian the night off but I know that he'd love to be there for that so we'd have to kind of try to figure it out I was thinking we'd have like eight seats because we have such a huge table but it's nice to have space to like reach out your arms and everything I guess oh you know what we do have two other seats that we reserve for guests but I think we'll also have mics over there because it's like our music corner
0: so now we're talking think
2: about it yeah I gotta think about it I need to I need to run it past him again and see what he's thinking because um we talked about it before and I was like, ah, it's a lot of people. Um, yeah, so know. you guys would all be coming from out of state, right?
1: Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm in Florida. Most of us are East coast, so we're not too far away. We okay. could, uh, we could carpool if we have to. So.
2: Oh, that might be a fun road trip too. That would be yeah. interesting. Something, something to think about. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, sure I'm just can... trying
1: to, I'm just trying to, to, you know, make it as easy as possible on you. Cause yeah, yeah, I, I know yeah. the guys would be thrilled.
2: Yeah, because booking tickets for like eight different people is challenging at the best exactly. of times. But especially exactly. with like Southwest sick outs, but hopefully that's not too crazy. Hopefully these companies walk back their vaccine mandates. They oh, have man. a little bit, but I yeah.
1: hope so, because otherwise I'm never gonna be able to travel again in this
2: country. It'd be crazy. Well, if they put if they put vaccine passports in place, I'm never flying again. Which is the too. way it's gonna be. Yeah, Me I'll too. drive my car. I don't care where I have to go. I'll probably just never go see my parents again, which kind of sucks. But they also won't be vaccinated. My dad is considering not working at his job anymore. So he's one of those people who's like, nope, not doing it. Don't well, care.
0: He's,
1: he's a hero. I I, yeah, put out a I tweet was like, wow. last night thanking people. I, I I can't tell you what your courage means for us. Like people don't understand what a historic moment we're living through, I think, still. Um, and it's just like I, I'm speechless at that the courage of people that are willing to sacrifice their paycheck today for hopefully a freer tomorrow they are heroes. So tell your dad, thank you.
2: <laughs> yeah, I did. I was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. I was like, that's really, really cool. And that's a very, very brave step. Um, my dad is super stubborn, but he's not um, interested in creating trouble. You know, he's not like a person who loves conflict. Um, and I was like, oh good. I'm, I'm really glad that the stubbornness won out over the desire to not cause trouble. I thought that was fantastic. Um, and one of the things I've noticed about history is that it's just normal people doing normal people things. Hmm. And when it becomes cool, like in Germany and in Australia right now to just go along with things, that's when you get into trouble. But I think that America is big enough and ornery enough that that's not going to be the case for us in the end. Like all the police quitting over this, the firefighters quitting over this, this is infrastructure stuff. And the fact that states Nurses and doctors. Yeah. When all these nurses started quitting, I was like, something's wrong with this vaccine. Nurses don't quit over vaccines. Every year there would be nurses who didn't want to get the flu shot and they'd either go along with it to get along with it. I always did because I didn't care. I was like, it doesn't make any difference. I don't want to get anyone sick. The flu is actually something that I can prevent. The flu vaccine is proven. It's whatever. I like vaccines. They're great. But the fact that that nurses are saying this, I'm like, These are the people who are administering medicine. These are the people on the front lines who catch problems that they catch mistakes that doctors make. The reason that more people don't die because of, you know, medical mistakes is because of nurses. And if these people are saying, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep my powder dry. I'm not going to, not going to do it. Not interested in running that risk that they clearly see, but yeah. So hopefully that kind of infrastructure will just fall apart on in the Democrat cities. And then the, the, places like Florida and Indiana, who are hiring on these uh, cops who are quitting in Illinois are going to get stronger and safer, and it'll be good. I think it'll be a net positive. And I think that the dividing lines are already drawn. And We're just kind of like, we're like, we're like already, you know, serrated. We're perforated. We can just kind of break off whenever (laughs) we want.
1: There You go, and yeah, and, I guess <laughs> that, that's about as optimi- optimistic as we've been the entire episode, so we'll, yeah. we'll wrap it there. Uh, you can follow her, it's at Sour Patch Lids, it's L Y D S. She has yes. more followers than Sour Patch Kids. This woman yes. is a legend. <laughs>
2: I do that was my goal in life and i achieved it so and i will say that everybody should also check out timcast.com which is where we do all of our journalism which is coming along really well very exciting we're going to have a fact checking i sounded like trump there. very exciting uh, we're gonna have a fact checking organization which i'm extremely excited about because right now we use a fact checker that is based on uh the gates foundation i think and i don't like that at all yeah. i would rather have our own journalists whom i know and love fact-checking us um, and uh, making sure that we're on the right track. And the other thing we're doing is we are starting a podcast about unexplained phenomena called Tales from the Inverted World. Um, The host's name is Shane. Shane is incredibly fantastic. He has a great voice for podcasting. He has extremely interesting stories. So we're starting with like an eclectic mix of essays that he wrote and that he worked on in his own free time. They're fascinating. And the podcast is only going to get better. I guess last, most recently, he was off searching for Confederate gold down in Georgia or South Carolina, somewhere down there. Um, And you guys should follow that Twitter at Inverted Tales. That is the handle for that podcast. And that'll keep you up to date on what's up there. And this is just us trying to positively affect the culture. So timcast.com where we have fun in the vlog. We write articles, we do fact checking, serious business, and then these other branch off so we talk about other stuff that people are interested in like unexplained phenomena and ufos so good times over there so well, yeah. you guys
1: you guys are absolutely I, I really think you guys are changing the the culture and that's about as uh, high a praise as i can give anybody like it's it's so important the culture is so away from our belief system and and you guys are grabbing it back in so i appreciate your work and uh, as far as your writers go one of my uh girlfriends olivia rondeau is, is working oh, yeah. for you now. So that's that's yes. very cool. And I, I also wanted to thank you for, for uplifting the entire libertarian movement, including Dave Smith, myself, so many others, Shane Hazel, the list goes on and on, Jeremy yes. Kaufman. You guys have been a, a godsend to this movement and it has not gone unnoticed. So thank you so much for your support and uh, we really appreciate you.
2: We are happy to help, and thank you very much for having me on today. It's been a blast. I always enjoy conversations like this.
1: Lydia is a legend. Thank you to her for giving me some of her time, and to us. Because, man, I love talking to these people. I love getting different uh, opinions. She's a little bit more conservative-leaning than myself, but as you can see, that we have a, a ton in common. I find that when we talk to people, we learn that we do, and that's good. If you want to support the show, go to libertylockdown.locals.com to sign up to become a supporting member so that you can see special bonus content from these episodes as well as an AMA, which I will be doing probably next week. So make sure you sign up soon. Go to libertylockdown.locals.com to become a supporting member of this show. I am putting a lot of work into this. It's a very small monthly ask. If you guys want to support my work, I would really appreciate it. All I'm going to be doing is using that capital to try and create a libertarian space for Timcast IRL. Liberty Lockdown cast IRL if you will Also go to At Liberty Lock pod on Twitter Make sure you follow me there And Liberty Lockdown on Instagram Still working on scheduling Jessica Vaughn Eric July and Zuby They should all be coming up in the next 10 days or so Gonna be a blast Don't miss it Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street Appreciate y'all
0: Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode Your Liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not t- from your phone Don't need a kid, get him off the fucking throne If you are riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you scared of will come and it'll go The government knows just don't get treated like a hoe Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening Scared Hollywood, lefties lyrical in A typo and Luke might bring them nooses We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit Knew I was a patriot, but not the shit